You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys here today at Foothills Church. How many of you guys enjoy moving into like new houses or dorm rooms? Does anybody like to move? Uh, I don't see any hands, and it's typically because anytime we move, uh, it's, a, it's really stressful. I mean, there is that exciting, we're going to the dorm room, right, or we're excited about getting into a new house, but the whole process of moving is, is really challenging. I mean, you've got to box up all your stuff, right? And that, that's just not fun because you've got to go through areas of your house uh, that you haven't been, uh, you know, recently. And so you go to the attic and you start going through all this stuff and you're like, why do we have all this stuff? Why do we keep all this stuff? And, and then you run into the old videotapes and, and uh, the old pictures of your kids when they were little and you watch them and you look at them and you cry and you, you know, you get depressed and, and then you go into your garage and you're cleaning out your garage and there's spiders and bugs and you're like, this is disgusting. And, and then you, you're, you're like, why do we have so many paint cans? Does anybody else keep paint cans? I'm like, why do I keep all of these paint cans? I just don't understand myself, but, but I've got all these paint cans I got to get rid of now. And, and then we go into our closet and we're like, we see all these clothes that we haven't worn in over a year, right? And it's like, why do I keep all these clothes? And, and so the, the, the natural thing would be to, to go and to give those away, right? Go to Carmen, just give it all away. But what do we do? A garage sale, as if that's a good idea. That's the most miserable experience of my life. I hate garage sales. And so there's nothing worse than spending an early Saturday morning. I don't care how early you start. Those jokers are out there like sharks, you know, driving, waiting for you to open up your, you know, garage and go to work. And so, you know, and then you haggle over a $2 picture frame. Like this is not fun, but we go through that. And, and the whole moving process can be just really, really taxing. It's very, very stressful. And, and uh, in our text today, we're going to see this group of people that you guys know. They're called the Israelites. We call them Hebrews, the Israelites, the people of God. And uh, we, we read about them in the Old Testament. And, and uh, we're going to see that they, in fact, have to pack up and move. They've got to move into a new land. And so a little background here. First of all, in your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. But as we get ready for Joshua chapter 1, I, I do want to give you a little bit of the backstory. Maybe you forget, and we'll kind of refresh your memory here. But God called a man by the name of Abram, and uh, Abram changed his name later to Abraham. God blessed, uh, said that he was going to bless him and make his, his uh, descendants more you know, numerous than the stars in the sky. And, and God was going to bless them, and, and they were going to be a nation. And so he said to pack up where you're at and go to a new land, a land that I'm going to call you to go to, and, and I'll tell you when, you when you get there. And so he, by faith, he moved his family, and over time, God blesses him with all of these descendants and all of these great, awesome things. And uh, the problem, though, with, the, with his people is that they were very rebellious, and they're very stiff-necked. The Bible uses that word stiff-necked and stubborn. And, and so over the course of their time, they, they rebelled against God and and so uh, at, during this time, they never had a home. Like they were wandering from place to place. And, and then because of their rebellion, another nation conquers them and they go into slavery. And so uh, the people of God are slaves for, for over 400 years. And so here's a group of people that uh, are homeless, wandering around in various lands. They don't, they don't know what it feels like to go home. And then for 400 years, generation after generation, lives in bondage and slavery. And so God sends them a leader named Moses, and Moses brings them out of captivity. And as they are, you know, getting out of slavery, they go through the Red Sea. Remember, God parts the Red Sea. They, they cross over dry land. God gives them a, 
a cloud and a pillar of fire to watch over them. There's no water in the desert. And so Moses strikes a rock and God provides water for for them to drink. And God provides manna, food for them uh, from heaven to eat every day. And so their needs were taken care of. And and over time, God's saying, okay, I've got a land that I'm going to give to you. We call it the promised land. And so, you know, God promised them a land, a home, but they've been slaves and wanderers. They get to the edge of this land that God says, see all this land, all of this is yours. You've got to go and you've got to do your part. You've got to go conquer these people and I'm going to give you this land. These people, everybody's like, ooh, that sounds bad. Is God, well, these people have been very rebellious and part of God's judgment was the fact that these, this new group of people were going to take this land and, and it was going to make them a home there. And so they stand on the edge of this promised land and Moses sends out spies to go kind of check out the area. Remember this story? Uh, The report comes back and they say, these people, they're too powerful. There's too many of them. They're too strong. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. Evidently, they were giants, you know, really, really large people in in some of these areas. There were seven different nations that kind of inhabited all of this land. And and they, they, they basically said, we can't do it. But there were two men, Caleb and Joshua, And they said, hey, look, God promised us that he was going to give us this land so we can do it. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on. But they didn't heed their counsel. And so they rebelled and and they said, no, we're not going to do it. And part of their judgment was that they would never, because of that decision, they would never be able to enter the promised land. In fact, God said, you're all going to wander in the desert for the next 40 years. This generation, you you guys are all going to die. And then your children are going to inhabit this land. So one disobedient act resulted in missing God's best for their life. They missed out on what God wanted to provide for them and to give to them. I'll let that sink in for a minute. I mean, isn't that kind of a challenging you know, thought to think about? That one decision, that, that, that one rebellious wrong decision could, could really translate into 40 years of wondering. Now, some of you walk in here today and you're probably experiencing like discouragement and you're probably, you know, feeling a sense of wondering yourself. You're like, I don't really know where I connect. I'm, I'm looking for like what my next step is. I want to grow, but I'm not sure what that is. And so you kind of feel like you're wondering, but, but the people of God now, after this generation is, it passes away, stand again at the edge of the promised land. Moses dies. Now Joshua is the leader. And so they have another decision to make. The kids of all of these people who were disobedient and wandered through all of this land and they saw Moses and and all of his miracles, miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet they still rebelled and still didn't trust and have faith in God. And here they are now standing at the edge of the river. The promised land is in their sight and they have to make another decision. Are they going to take it? And so in our scripture today, we see over and over like this opportunity for them to experience this. And, and, and God is saying, go, but they have to do their part. Now, sometimes the question is, uh, why do I need to pray? And why do I need to do really anything? Because God is sovereign. He's just going to do whatever he wants to do, right? I'm just going to kind of live out my days and live out my life. But that's not the principles that we find in the Bible. The, the Bible teaches us that there is God's part and he's going to do his part. But then there's also my part. I have a role to play. And so for the Israelites, their role was to cross the Jordan and take the land, but they rejected that, 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 that offer that God, that opportunity that God gave to them. And as a result, they missed God's best for their life. I don't want to miss God's best for my life. I don't know about you, but 
I don't, I don't want to miss out on the best marriage that I can have, or I, I don't want to be an average parent. I want to be the best parent I can possibly be. I don't want to just be okay at my financial situation. I want to be the best, you know, at my finances. I, I don't want to just be an okay leader. I don't want to just be an okay pastor. I don't want to be an okay disciple of Jesus. I, I want the very best. I, I want to do everything that God is calling me to do so that I can experience God's best for me. And, and, and I hope that's where your heart would be at today. As we look at our text today, they definitely have a part to play. And so I want to look at not only chapter one of Joshua, but we're going to kind of, we're going to go through the whole book and, 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 and see some of the major themes in the book. Because what we're seeing here is, is God calling a people to go and experience his blessing by their obedience. And so as a church, I feel like we are in a, a season of ministry that is brand new. The people of God here are, are getting ready to cross the river, take the land, and experience a brand new beginning, a brand new season of life, a brand new season of ministry. I mean, they are going to step into a new land. They've been homeless and slaves. They don't know what it feels like to come home and to have a land to call their own. And they're about to experience that. As a church, we're about to experience a, a brand new season of ministry. I mean, we've been in this building for six years, I guess, and, and uh, about three years in this room, and uh, we're, we're building next door. We're going to move into a new auditorium in about three months. And that shift, that change is going to bring a brand new opportunity for us that we believe God has called us to step into. But we're going to do this series entitled, We Can't Stay Here, because we, we literally can't be content with what God is doing in our life. As a church, I don't want to be content with the lives that we have impacted because there are more people in our city that are lost and need Jesus. So we can't stay here. We can't be content. We've got to continue to grow. We've got to continue to do things to meet needs in our city. That means that everybody in here has a role to play. We've got a, a part together. We've got to join to accomplish these things that, that God calls us to. We see these, this calling all throughout Scripture. And so we don't want to just be content. I don't want you to be content with the knowledge that you have. I want you to grow in that knowledge. I hope you want to grow. You know, you're never going to reach a point to where you, you got it down and you know everything you need to know to be, you know, a success as a follower of Jesus. You, you've got to grow in that knowledge. You've got to grow in your obedience. You know, we're never going to reach that point to where we think, oh, we did it. We're there. All right. Now let's just hang out. No, we, we've got we to continue to go. We've got to continue to move. We, we can't stay here as a church. And so we're going to continue to pursue the vision that God has given us. But we've got to do our part. I believe this is, in fact, the biggest thing we have ever done as a church. I mean, this new auditorium, $6 million. I mean, it, it, it's, this is massive. This is huge. And the opportunities that, that this presents for us are endless. Like we, we, we have an idea, but, but we haven't even really scratched the surface of what I believe God is going to do in you, in us, together as a church as, as we take on this new season and, and enter this new season. And so just like the people of God, we're going to pull out some important principles through the book of Joshua. And so I encourage you to read it at home this week and, and really get familiar with it. For the next five weeks, we're going to be uh, taking this journey with them. And it starts in chapter one. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and begin in verse one. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, 
The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, God is calling the people of Israel to move. They they couldn't stay there any longer. They couldn't stay in the wilderness in disobedience any longer. They couldn't be wanderers any longer. They couldn't let their past failures keep them from experiencing God's best for their life. You know, God is calling us to move out of our past. He's calling us to move into a new land, so to speak, a new area of ministry as a church, a new area of growth. And no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to move into a new season of blessing and a new season of ministry, a new season of growth. And as a church, that's where we're headed. Now, anytime we try to take on a new area of ministry or a new land or so to speak, you know, we're, we're going into something new. We have to realize that to be successful, we need clear direction in the face of uncertainty. We need clear direction because things will be uncertain because we don't know the future. You know, we, we, we need a clear direction as we know that the direction that God wants us to go, then we know there's going to be uncertainty around us, but we still can conquer. We still can go. We still can be successful as we go. Joshua, um, I don't think he was felt prepared to be the leader of this nation. You know, Moses passes away and now the, 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 you know, the mantle is given to him to lead. I, I see him, you know, here he's telling him to be strong and courageous over and over again. And, and I just don't feel like he was probably strong or courageous at that point. He's not had any experience as a military expert to lead a military campaign, you know, to fight these nations. He, he doesn't have that experience. He's been a slave and he's been in the desert for 40 years. All right, what does he know about this? But God says, arise and go. Lead my people 
across this river and into the land I have promised to give you. You're gonna lead them. I'm calling you to go. And guys, God has called you and I to go. In Matthew 29, Jesus gives us the great commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And his final promise there was, and I'm gonna be with you to the very end of the age. You see, our command, our, our Jordan that we have to cross is to go and make disciples. So I'm, I'm excited to be a part of a church that is passionate about making disciples. Our, our vision here is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. We talk about why in base camp, but essentially this is what we see Jesus do in his life. This is the, the command that he gives to us to make disciples. Jesus didn't come, you know, to come and hang out with all the religious people. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so our heartbeat as a church is to do this, and, and we're called to go. Joshua, in verses 10 and 11, he says, all right, God, I'll go. So he goes to the people, and he says, guys, in verse 10, he says, in three days, we're going to cross the river. We're going to go across the river Jordan. We're going to you know, we're going to begin this campaign. We're going to, we're going to begin this, this journey. But I can imagine the people in the face of uncertainty uh, asking some questions. Uh, how are we going to get across this river? We, we got all kinds of people. We got all kinds of animals. How, how are we going to do this? There's no bridge. No bridge here. How are we going to accomplish this? Joshua, I don't know. But in three days, get ready. We're going. Clear direction. I don't know how, but we're going. Well, what are we going to do when we get to the other side? How's it going to work out? How do we know God's going to, I don't know, know what we're going to do, how we're, we're going to, in three days, we're, we're going to cross the river. So get ready. That's, that's faith, isn't it? I mean, that's courage. You know, that in, in the midst of uncertainty, we, we need clarity. And so uh, I, I know that as we, as a church move forward, there are many, you know, there, there are many uncertainties how are we going to pay for a $6 million building? How, how are we going to function, you know, in this area and that area? How is it going to be different when we're not, you know, in a smaller, you know, room like this and we're going to be in a larger room? Like, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainties. Listen, if you're trying to be a man of God in your marriage and lead your wife, there's a lot of uncertainties of how that's going to work out. If you're a business leader and you're trying to lead in your organization and you're trying to be, you know, a, a man of character, a woman of character at work, there are a lot of uncertainties of how it's going to work out. Does that mean that the command to go isn't given to you? Of course not. Of course not. There's a lot of uncertainties. So how do we get clarity? How do we experience that so that we can be strong and courageous? Let me give you three ways today. The first thing is, I believe we've got to be, have courageous confidence in the vision. Courageous confidence in the vision to make disciples. Joshua has to have courageous confidence in the fact that this land is going to be given to him if he does his part. Now, he may not feel qualified. He doesn't have the experience. Next week is going to be, a, the, if you've never read chapter 2 and you've never heard a sermon on that, it's, it, I, I love it. It's, it's absolutely life-changing for me to hear how God takes somebody who is, is so unlikely, you know, and uses them to do something so incredible. If you don't know the story, it, it, it's mind-blowing what he does. You see, God wants to take all of your past. He wants to take all of your hang-ups. 
He wants to take the fact that you, you aren't certain about the future and that you're unclear, but he wants you to be strong and courageous behind the vision to go and make disciples and to be a part of something bigger than yourself. The problem with too many Christians today is they're afraid to go. They're afraid to dream. Too many of us are afraid to believe that God really wants to do something extraordinary in our lives. And so we stay so focused on our little life. We stay so focused on getting our little kingdom built up and we miss the very best that God has for us. I don't want you to miss that. I, I don't want to miss it as a church. I don't want to miss it as a man of God. And, 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 and I don't want you to miss it. So you're going to have to try some things that you've never tried before. And you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. And you're going to have to serve and give in ways that you've never served and, and given before. But, but as you're faithful and obedient and have courage in that vision, God blesses and God changes us. God's blessing falls upon our life. Now, Joshua told the people to prepare to cross the river. And uh, you've got three days, he says, to get ready to cross this river. And what I'm telling you is we've got three months to prepare to cross over and, and, and get into this new facility because that's what they're telling us now. And I know weather and all that kind of stuff is, is not as big a factor. So we feel, feel pretty confident that that that's uh, gonna be accurate for us. That means we've got three more months in this room. That means we've got three months to prepare for a brand new season of ministry. It means that we've gotta start packing up and we gotta start preparing and we've gotta start getting prayed up and we've gotta start telling people like never before. And so I'm asking you to run to this river. I'm asking you to run toward the vision, run toward the need and engage the ministries of this church. Engage and together, we're gonna trust God and we're gonna to go to work. Some of you have never worked in a church, you've never served in a church, and I'm asking you to go to work. I dare you to go to work like you've never gone to work before in the name of Jesus through this church and the ministries of this church. And I, I, I promise you, God will be faithful and God will bless and he will change you. But it takes all of us. From the very beginning of our church in 2009, we never set out to you know, create a church that was a mega church or a big church. We, we never dreamed or never were motivated by having a large church. That's just, I grew up in a large church, so it wasn't really, you know, different for me. And so uh, that never has been a passion. What, what's, what's passionate uh, in my heart, what we are passionate as a staff about is making disciples. So we get really excited, not about large crowds. We get really excited when life change happens. So I love stories of life change. I love to hear people's story and, and how God has changed them and, and, and how God is developing them and, and they're you know, opening up new ideas and ways of serving God and, and, and then they're maturing in their faith. That's what gets us jacked up. Butts and seats have never been motivation for me. And so as a church, as we've been moving in that direction, what we have discovered is as we develop disciples, as disciples are made, the byproduct of that is growth. Because as you grow as a follower of Christ, you realize that you're not called to just sit and soak in church. You're called to serve and you're called to help people grow in their faith, whatever that looks like in your life based on your design and, and your ministry. And, and so we're all contributing to that in some way. And uh, as we do that, more people come to faith. And as more people come to faith, that means there are more people in our church. So it's just a byproduct of being faithful to the Great Commission. And so healthy things grow. When a plant is healthy, it grows. When your kids are healthy, they grow. When a church is healthy, 
it grows. Now, the Bible doesn't say how fast we should grow or how slow we should grow, but we should be growing. And in the life of our church, we have seen growth. We bought this building six years ago. We moved in here. We had 150 people, 30,000 square foot building. What are we going to do with all this space? I don't know. This is what God's calling us to do, right? A little uncertainty there, clear direction. We're going to make disciples. This is the location he's brought us to. Six years, I, six years ago, I, I said, based on parking, the square footage in this room, kids' space, we're going to get to about 1,200 people in this, in this uh, uh, building. And there's a little science behind that, but you can figure that up. If, and, and so we, we, we grew. And so we, we started um, in, in um, that, that season of ministry, just preaching, teaching, and trying our best to make disciples and be authentic in this community. And, and God blessed um, as we hit that number uh, over the last year and a half, uh, we've experienced the capacity of this building kind of flex and, and then just kind of settle back down. We had over four, 1,400 people earlier in the fall, and, and so we, we kind of stretch and, 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 and go, and our building really is uh, really, really, really tight. And a large part of that is due to our kids' space. And so over a year ago, the elders of, of our church unanimously decided that, hey, if we're going to continue to move forward as a church, we need more space. We got to open up more space because our kids' space is packed. You know, our, our services are, are packed. The second service was, was slammed, and a lot of people have moved to the first or third over the last year, and that's helped, and we've been able to grow a little bit more. But right now, we're about 1,300 people. And so as we've decided to, to buy this to, and to, to build in this area, we, we believe it's going to, you know, facilitate more growth. It's going to take care of the 1,300 people that are currently here, but it's going to seat 1,200 seats. That's 600 more seats than we have in here. And so that not only takes care of our current need, but it also gives us some, some space to, to grow in the future. This building becomes uh, kids' ministry. This room and, and uh, all the other spaces will become preschool and kids' ministry. And so, you know, a whole new uh, era and season of ministry for our, our children's ministry is going to happen because they're going to have so much more great space uh, to grow in. Uh, we're going to start with two services. So we'll have a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock service. That affects your routine. You're going to have to prepare for that. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if that's going to mean we're going to get up earlier or we're going to sleep in a few minutes later. But we need to prepare for, for, for that change. It means January and February are going to be pretty stinking exciting. There's going to be a lot of training and, and um, a lot of prep work for people that serve on Sundays, especially to kind of get used to that. If you're involved in the student ministry on Wednesday, it's going to change. So all of these things are exciting, but it's going to take all of us being dedicated and thinking about this uh, together so that we move forward uh, in clarity. So obviously this series is, is designed to really help us answer the why behind why we're doing this and, and to really help you do two things. And, and the two things I'm asking you to do is, is to serve in some way or continue to serve and to give in some way and to be a part of that. On December 3rd, we're going to have a vision night. And uh, that vision night is, is we're going to start with some desserts in the lobby and, and then we're going to go into the building. And uh, hopefully it's not too cold, but we're going to go over there and we're going to have our worship service. I'm going to uh, cast some vision. We're going to pray. You're going to be able to see kind of where it's at. We'll show you and, and, and give you a little insight to what everything is gonna, where everything is going to be and that kind of thing. And, and we're going to write scriptures on the, on the walls and, and uh, just pray over that whole thing. It's going to be an awesome night. I hope you put that on your calendar. Our small groups won't be meeting that night, so I'm, I'm asking all of our small groups uh, and small group leaders to come on that night, December 3rd. December 17th, we typically, every year, we have what we call a Christmas offering. And so uh, 
what we decided to do is change the name of Christmas offering to what it really is. And what it really is is a vision offering because it goes towards the vision of making disciples in our church. And so um, that is going to be December 17th. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing, you know, what that looks like and, and uh, how you can be involved in that. But I'm asking everybody to begin to pray about how you can give a one-time gift on December 17th. I believe it's going to be the largest uh, offering we have ever taken as a church and ever, ever uh, given as a church. And uh, I'm also going to be asking you to make a commitment to give uh, for the entire year, over and above what you typically give. And so that's going to take courageousness within you, a, a courage to believe in the vision of making disciples. And so as we do this together, we're going to need that confidence. You're going to need confidence in the vision. And I believe God's going to bless us in incredible ways as a result, you personally, but then also our church and most definitely our city. But it's going to take courageous confidence. Secondly, it's going to take courageous commitment to the vision. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. In verses 6, 7, 9, and 18, he says four different times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. You know, obviously, he wasn't strong or courageous. It's like a pep talk God is giving to him. Obviously, he struggled with confidence. Obviously, he's struggling with strength. I mean, he's following Moses. I can see how you would be a little intimidated. One of the greatest leaders of all time, not just in the Bible, but of all time. And now I'm, I'm the guy filling his shoes. I'm, I'm not too confident. But God reminds him, I am with you. Be courageous in your commitment. Don't be afraid. Be committed. Don't let your fear distract you from being committed. Don't let your know, discouragement, that's what the word dismayed really means. Don't be discouraged along the way to, to where that would, that would keep you from staying committed to the vision. Now, in ministry, we all face discouragement. I mean, we, we face discouragement because of relationships in our life. That's discouraging. Sometimes that makes us not want to serve or even go to church sometimes. I mean, weather can discourage us. You know, football can discourage us to, to, to be committed to the vision. Let's just be honest. Um, we, we can be discouraged and, and dismayed when sickness befalls us. We can be discouraged or dismayed when we don't see people, you know, being a part of our ministry. You know, like, like maybe you're leading uh, one of our ministries and people said they were going to come. They didn't show up. That's discouraging. People don't grow like you want them, want them to grow. That's, that can be discouraging. You don't see the fruit from your ministry or fruit from your work sometimes, and, and that can be discouraging. And God says, look, don't be dismayed along the way. Fear can isolate you. Being discouraged can distract you. It was fear that kept their parents from entering the promised land 40 years before. Don't let the, the fear of your parents or the, or the problems that your parents went through to cause you to lead a life that is not God's best for your life. He says, be strong, be courageous. I can tell you that we've had to overcome some fears in this process. We've had to overcome some, you know, some discouragement along the way as we've, we've tried to lead this church in this direction. We look at numbers and, you know, an expensive building. How are we going to do this? How are we going to afford this? We, we look at leaders and ministries and discouragement happens. How are we going to do this? And you know what always gets me through any discouraging time, anytime I'm dismayed along my journey? I remember what God's done in the past. I remember what he's done in my past. I remember what I've seen him do, and I believe that he's going to do it again. 
It doesn't mean I'm not going to face discouragement. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to get dismayed, but I'm sure that God is going to come through. He's going to bless, and he's going to do it again. uh, When we were a little church meeting in the Maryville Christian School, meeting in the gymnasium, setting up every week, you know, about started with like 50 people and, you know, grew to about 100 people. There were many days where it felt like, you know, we, were, we weren't going to be able to do it. We knew there were discouraging days along that journey. We had this big truck, and we would pack everything that we had in that truck, and then we would drive it and store it. And, and so we had to pack it in just the right way. You know, when you move, you got to do it just right to get everything in there. And if one thing's off, then it doesn't fit. you got to bring it out and start again. It's very discouraging. And, and it was really discouraging in those early days when it was me and, and Pastor Greg loading that truck all by ourselves. It was really discouraging, you know, when we were looking at our ministries and we were thinking, man, we could be so much more. We could be, we could be doing so much more. You know, w- w- are we ever going to have a student ministry where, you know, the local high schools and middle schools look to us and, and where parents in this community know if, if we're going to go to church on, you know, for our kids, it's going to be at this church. We, 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 we dreamed of that. And now, you know, we believe, you know, we've stepped and walked into that you know, mentality, and, and, and people view us in that way. We were fearful when we bought this building, 30,000 square feet. How are we going to pay for it? We only had 150 people. How are we going to do this? Little, little uncertainty, but the vision was clear. God, God just kind of dropped it in our lap, and, 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 and we went forward by, by faith. There was a courageous commitment to the vision, and we trusted God, and he most definitely provided when we didn't know how we were going to pay for it, God provided. When we didn't know how we were going to buy the land next door to us and actually build this auditorium that we're doing right now, a few people in our church courageously gave towards the vision and provided the resources for us to do that. And that's why we're even able to talk about it today. See, God has always provided, taken us one step closer we also had to fight with the bank, not fight, but we, you know, we, we asked them, hey, this is what we want to do. And they said, no, you guys don't have the, the, the giving units. You, don't, you, you haven't been, you know, older. Your, your church isn't old enough to even see the track record. And, and so, uh, so what'd we do? Well, we just kept preaching the word of God, making disciples, having small groups, growing our family ministries. We had the space and God began to fill that space. God, God began to lead people to give. And then the bank said, yep, all right, cool. You guys, you guys are on track. And they decided to move with us. God always is going to lead us to things that look way too big, that, that, that look way too mind-blowing for us to accomplish. He's calling you specifically to do some things in your life that on the surface look like they're, they're, they're way too complicated. It, it probably looks like you don't know how you're going to do it. I'm never going to get out of debt I'm never going to have a good marriage. I'm never going to get over this sickness. I'm never going to, you know, overcome this sin. And, and, and so we, we immediately think, oh, it's so, so big. We have to have courageous commitment. So we have to trust the process. You know, we, we, don't, we don't get to the promised land overnight. It was a journey of a lot of failures, a lot of mistakes, a lot of commitments. And it led them up into this moment in their life. And they still have a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. And they mess up several times along the way that we're going to see. But God blesses their commitment. Commitment is the key to accomplishing anything in your life. And then finally, number three, 
Not only do we need courageous commitment to the vision, we need courageous faith in the creator of the vision. So we've got to have courageous faith. Look, look at the scripture again. Underline, circle these words in your Bible. He says in verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to what? All the law. So, so I love that. All the law. He says, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Don't turn from it. Do all the law. You can't just pick and choose what you want to follow in the Bible. If that's what you're doing today, no wonder you're frustrated and, you, and, and you're wandering around aimlessly in your life. You feel like you're still a slave and in bondage to sin. Because you can't just pick and choose the things in the Word of God that you want to follow. To be blessed and to experience God's best for your life, you've got you to see it as a whole and begin to follow Him in every area of your life. Don't turn from the left or to the right. You can't, can't grab onto some things and say, oh, the making disciples part, that's for Trent and his buddies. It's not for me. Well, I'll, I'll take the, the prosperous part, the successful part, but, but I don't believe in all that marriage stuff that God talks about. I think what culture is saying right now makes sense and, and I'm gonna go in that direction. No, you, you, don't, you don't just pick and choose. To be faithful to the word of God, you're faithful in all of it. And he says, don't turn from it. And then he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Don't let it depart from your mouth, guys. Listen, don't let your testimony and how God is blessing you, how God has changed you ever depart from your mouth. Don't let the gospel ever depart from your mouth. Don't ever stop talking about what God is doing in our church. Don't ever get to a point to where you, 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 don't, you don't mention his name every single day whether in prayer to a friend, to a family member, every single day, mention him and mention the word of God and talk about what he's doing. You say, I don't know what he's doing. Then just slow down a minute. Start connecting to Jesus. Start to abide in the power and presence of Jesus and become aware of the greatness of God in your life. He says, don't turn from it. Don't stop talking about it. He actually says to meditate on it. When you meditate on something, it means you're, you're thinking deeply about it. Now, we live in a fast-paced culture. Give it to me now. Next thing, you know, I want 4G, fast internet, everything fast. Go, 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 go. To meditate on the Word of God means that you've got to slow down enough to actually think about it and let it just kind of marinate. Not microwave, but marinate in that crock pot of your heart, you know, and just soak on the truth of God. Because then strong and courageous comes out of that, comes out of that relationship. Can't manufacture that. And then he says, you do this and you're gonna be successful. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And this is what I want to experience as a church. I want to experience success. Now, we've gotta change our definition of success sometimes because some of us think success and following God means I'm going to get the, you know, the six-figure salary and I'm going to get all these material things, and that's not what we're after. Success in ministry, bottom line, pleasing God. Pleasing God in every area of your life. And so as a church, that's why we can't stay here. God told us to go. We've got more work to do. There are more lost people in our city. They need to hear the gospel. And so he's calling us to that end. He's calling us to be there for them. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, in due season, 
We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. We can't give up. We've got to be committed. We've got to be courageous in this vision and have courageous faith in this vision. God is going to allow you to experience a harvest if you do not give up. Don't don't lean to the left or to the right. Stay on target, guys. Let's unite together around this vision and let's do something none of us have ever done before. I've never done this. I've never experienced what we're going to experience. That's why I'm pumped. I'm excited. I can't wait to see how God is going to answer prayer. I can't wait to see how God is going to bless us. But he's calling us to go into uncharted territory. But here's the great news. The last part of that verse says that he's going to be with us. I'm going to be with you wherever you go, he says. Verse 9. Jesus says this in Matthew 29 when he says, go and make disciples. He says, I'm going to be with you. See, God is well out in advance. He's, he's way out there, right? I mean, he's, he's where we want to be. That's where we're, we're moving in that direction. But he's already there. He's already preparing people. Even right now, he's preparing hearts in this city to receive the gospel. That we're going to preach to them. That we're going to share with them. That you're going to be a part of and in, in, in leading them in that decision. He's preparing hearts. He's preparing this place. We've got to go. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be obedient. He says to obey it all. Do everything I've commanded. And as we do that, God's going to bless us with success. Now, to open up this series, we wanted to spend this last moment of, of the sermon and our time together with the Lord's Supper and reminding you as our ushers go ahead and come forward and you guys can start passing it out that that this is for those people who have given their life to Jesus. Scripture teaches us that we are called to spend some time in meditation, essentially examining our life, confessing sin, restoring that relationship with him. And as a result of that, then we take the bread. And we take the bread as a symbol of his broken body on the cross. That he died on the cross His broken body on the cross represents the sacrifice that you and I could not pay. The juice represents the blood that was poured out for the sins of many. And so we take the the bread, then we take the juice, remembering this sacrifice, remembering that Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. And so as we close today, the band is going to begin to sing. You take the bread, you take the juice on your own time. If you've got kids in the room and they, they're not, they've never made a decision, this is a good teaching time for them. Not, not, not really for them if they've never done that. And so as I pray, you guys just keep passing and we'll take this together. Father, in this moment, we want to remember you and your sacrifice. We want to remember to fall at our knees before you in times of trouble and in seasons of abundance. We remember the sacrifice on the cross today. Prepare our hearts for this new season of ministry. We cannot stay here because you've called us to go. Help us to be faithful. and Help us to trust you 
Help us to remember you in a way that pleases you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.